friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And it is Women's History Month, which we, you know, technically introduced last week, but we're going to keep talking about it this week anyway. And all month. And all month, yeah. (laughs) Um, On the podcast and over on our website too at fullybooked.ca. So you guys can always head over there to check out um, everything that we already have sort of spoken about as far as women in literature. We do it, we do it on a pretty regular basis anyway, I think. Yeah. Yeah. but also, you know, anything new that we have coming out from our lovely and teeny tiny team of contributors who are great <laughs> and they help us when we should help ourselves more and write more than we do. So fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. A fair assessment. Shout yeah. out to you guys. Yeah, Thank you. exactly. Um, but we thought this week that we might, I guess, like take a step back a little bit and look a little bit into the history of women in literature as a whole, kind Mm -hmm. of, like in the sense of, you know, how things started and a lot of the difficulties that were faced by women when it came to trying to get work taken seriously and Mm. published in the first place, which of course we all know because for some reason, for whatever reason, women have had to fight harder for everything that they've achieved for some reason as a gender and... God knows why, but here we are still having to do it in a lot of it cases just, as well. It makes no sense. Like, we are literally 50 to 51% of the population. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, you know, we have this whole wonderful thing where we, uh, you know, have to be able to carry children and help the world continue to function by right. procreating and doing all of these really interesting things with our bodies that nothing, like, the world would be dead if women didn't exist anymore. Everybody would die out. You know, let us use our brains and give us some respect as well. Jeez. Why is it so hard? Wouldn't that be nice? I've, I'm about 80% sure that women have a higher pain threshold than men do because of things like childbirth and menstruation. Um, and nobody talks about that, but I'm pretty sure that it's true. So, so we thought that basically we would just sit down and have a, a chat, chat. Today, a candid chat today candid about chat. what it meant to be a woman in literature back in the day mm-hmm. and I think what it means to be one now. Yep. And what that looks like for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I guess if we go back to the beginnings of things, um, you know, we're talking like 1700s, roughly things like that, probably that women started, you know, more women, I think were coming forward to begin to at least attempt to, first of all, they were writing stories because education was slowly but surely being allowed to happen for some of the upper classes and things Mm. a little bit more, which helps, um, you know, being able to read and write helps a lot. Yeah. But also, you know, along with that, I think women were taking that and being like, oh, hey, look at that. I'm feeling a little bit more independent. Uh, I can do this thing too. Hey, I'm pretty good at this. I would also like to have my work published like every man that I'm around in every upper echelon of everything everywhere. (laughs) It's true. Um, And it's important to note also that I think the first official novel came out in the 1600s. Yeah. um, Which was... um, Journal of a Plague of the Plague Year. Yes, yeah, the the first first, like official official, like novel, like a work of fiction. Work of fiction, yeah. Um, so you know, women were not that far behind, but they were like a hundred years behind. About a hundred years, and like, of course, you can understand from like everything that Megan just said, education standpoint. Yeah, it's not to say that they didn't have the stories in their minds. Oh no, not Um, at all. But putting it down to paper when no one's taught you how to write is a very difficult thing to do how would you do that so yeah 
For sure. Um, so, you know, so I do think that that's kind of like when things started slowly, but surely, and then getting into, if you get into things like the 1800s, that's when you start to see a lot more women who were able to publish work. However, (laughs) much of the time that work was being published under pseudonyms as well under pen names that were largely male, obviously, because again, most of these women either wanted to remain anonymous because they felt it would be frowned upon, or they wanted to be taken seriously Mm. in some way, shape or form or both of those things. Yeah. Um, so they would choose to, you know, that's it. They would submit work and everything but use a male pen name when doing so. Yeah, and I think, you know, like women like Jane Austen um, published under her name. She did, yeah. Um, but if you look at the Bronte sisters, they all published under male pseudonyms. Um, and Marianne Evans, who's mostly known as George Eliot, mm-hmm. but um, I know about two years ago, there's a project that was kicked off called the Reclaim Her Name Project, oh, where yeah. um, they republished many works of fiction under the writer's real name. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly like Megan just said, you know, women didn't want to because they didn't dare, mm-hmm. or they just didn't think that they would succeed. Um, but George Eliot, um, I think she made a comment at one point that she preferred to write as a man because she didn't want to be associated with the wailings of women. Um, but that was kind of aimed directly at uh, Jane Austen. Yeah. I feel that, I wonder if George Eliot felt that um, Jane Austen was doing a disservice to women by writing the works that she did write about wanting to find a husband yeah. and wanting to, you know, make your way up in society. Um and, you know, like like we always say, there's nothing wrong with having dreams like that mm-hmm. when other women may not see the world that way. But I think it may have caused a little bit of friction in the literature world. Yeah, um, I think that... Okay, so I think that it's sort of a difficult thing. Okay, so, you know, you and I have talked about this before in the sense that neither of us are huge Jane Austen fans in no. the sense that we tend to find a lot of her stuff is, like, a little fluffy and overrated. And I don't really... I guess, understand, like, the amount of hype that she's retained versus other female authors, particularly ones from around, let's say, the same time period. Um, However, at the same time, I will applaud, first of all, that she was able to use her own name to publish all of her works. Second of all, that they have endured the way that they have to the degree that they have. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, that... I think that she might have been intelligent about what she was doing because she chose to write the the types of stories that she did, which, like you said, had a lot to do with society and societal norms and marriage Mm -hmm. and finding love and romance and all of those things. But I think in tapping into that side of the story, she was making sure that her stories would be probably seen and heard above other people's and for herself as well. Like under her own name, she Mm. wasn't hiding from it or doing anything. And I think there's also something to say about Jane Austen appealing to an entire generation of young women who may not have been reading. Yeah, that's it. You know, for fun at this point, you know, as opposed to for educational purposes. Yeah. Um, Like I can just imagine like, you know, think of how, you know, how we are kind of even today, you know, some people don't really like reading and then you present them with like a, a news, um, what's the word, a magazine sure. that talks about gossip or something and they'll read that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like maybe that's what the, maybe that's what Jane Austen was at the time, you know, she was appealing to a much broader audience. She was tapping into a market, air quotes, that wasn't really. That, um, yeah, that people weren't really doing yeah. before because like, you know, 
largely what you were getting around that time other than you know when Jane Austen herself started publishing more was um yes there were there was romance in the stories but it was largely gothic romance so things tended to be very sad yeah (laughs) very bleak um you know and didn't regularly have an incredibly happy ending for Mm. characters endings tended to be a lot more melancholic Mm -hmm. um in a way Mm -hmm. and you know many of the characters like if you look at things like Wuthering Heights and even Jane Eyre and all of those sorts of stories like you know you get through it and you're like oh I thought that was supposed to be a romance (laughs) and you're like I don't know where the romance began and ended but I just feel sad now yeah yeah Well, I mean, Jane Austen did write a gothic novel, but it didn't really have the same, like, vibes. No, 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 no. It was a very light-hearted gothic. Abbey. Yeah, Yeah. it's a very light-hearted gothic novel in comparison to um, the gothic literature that was being published at that time, which is actually gothic in, like, speculative fiction Mm -hmm. is is a niche that a lot of women tapped into, Mm -hmm. and a lot of them were publishing those pulp sort of stories and things which were considered like you know like silly whatever's at the time like crazy gothic fiction at the time those were being published in a lot of different periodicals Mm -hmm. and things and a lot of women again were publishing in those sorts of periodicals under pseudonyms yep and that's something because I think that and I think that's something that's interesting that people don't um always appreciate is that women have had a really big hand in the sort of the market of like gothic darker fiction yeah. horror thriller those yep. sorts of things women have like a, to this day yep. have a huge 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 hand in those types of speculative like very very dark kind of fiction i don't think people associate women writing mm. with that they associate it more with like romance or something but i think that that's something that should be appreciated as well is that you have these sort of like titans mm-hmm. of the industry when you're looking at someone like mary shelley mm-hmm. or whatnot who made their entire career on like very very heavy stories mm-hmm. very like spooky stories and stuff and a lot of women like really were only focused on publishing stories like that as well yeah. um so i do think that Jane Austen was really intelligent about what she did. And yep. Obviously, she was good at it. Okay, of there's nothing to say There's that nothing. she wasn't. Not it, at it all. It wouldn't have survived this long no, if she wasn't. Not possible. But um, I think I do find it unfortunate sometimes that she's like so reviled to this day for the these sorts of stories, like the romance stories that she wrote, and other women who were writing these like really eff- effective, <laughs> yeah. and, like you know, effective like gothic like tragic stories and like social commentary yeah and like the social commentary and the the commentaries on classism that would come along with a lot of the stories that were being written aren't as appreciated which i do find is unfortunate yeah i agree with you um there's you know there's such a vast array of different writings that are out there by women um and I think the more you dig and the more you realize that many of them were writing under male pseudonyms, mm-hmm. it kind of broadens your perspective. Yeah. And you realize that, you know, again, like we said, <laughs> they were educated kind of at a later date to men, but they were listening and yeah. observing and, you know, and so it's just, yeah, I, I just find it really fascinating to look at it from a historical perspective that way. Um I don't know 
what the deal was with all of them using George as a pseudonym? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> we were lo- we were looking into things earlier, and we discovered that there were what at least six or seven women who were publishing in the same, roughly in the same time period, and who were all using for some reason their pen names all started with George. And I don't know if they had an unspoken agreement. I don't know. I was or just if it just that. George is an easy name. I don't I, know. I don't know. I don't know if it was like like kind of like a hey like wink wink like yeah. other female authors I like so. I'm a George too. I you kind know? of hope. That I that's kind of true. hope so. Like I feel like if we dug far enough, maybe there might be a comment about that. Yeah. If not. anybody knows, hit us up and let us know because I would be very curious to to know whether or not that's that's actually the case. And they were all just like having a little laugh at yeah. the public's expense. People who had no idea, obviously, that these were women publishing these stories and just thought like, boy, there's an influx of really talented Georges in the literary <laughs> world, aren't there? Yeah. I know that um, George Eliot, so Marianne Evans, um, she wrote uh, stories like Middlemarch, Adam Bede, yeah. um, very renowned stories. Charles Dickens actually wrote to her when she started publishing mm-hmm. um, and expressing his admiration and curiosity for her. And um, apparently she said to her publisher that it was really too bad that um, she couldn't go public with her identity yeah. because she felt that there was a big piece missing if the readers didn't understand that she was a woman. Um, oh, like in the way that you understand the story. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah. And so, but I think eventually, um, due to like, uh, people in her social circle and kind of word sort of getting out, mm-hmm. she finally revealed her identity, I believe in 1861, but, um, she wrote a lot of books before then. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So luckily, like, like we said, there are a few standouts. There were women who were able to break those barriers, Jane Austen, Mary Shelley, mm-hmm. um, although Mary Shelley originally published Frankenstein under a male pseudonym there as well. That was so, going to be my question. And then I think Flippity flopped probably not too, too long yeah. after, I don't think, after it had been published. But initially when she published the original story, I think in a periodical before it actually became a full novel, I believe she published it under a male name. So did Louisa May Alcott yeah. for Little Women. So did the Bronte sisters, all three of them. Wuthering Heights and all that jazz. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Exactly. They were all kind of doing that, including Anne, mm-hmm. who wrote what's largely considered to, I think, be the first feminist novel ever published. And I can't remember the name of it right mm-hmm. now. Hold, please. Okay, yes. So her second novel. So her first novel was called Agnes Grey and it was published in 1847 um, at the same time as her sister uh, her sister's novel Wuthering Heights was published. Mm -hmm. And her second novel which is called The Tenant of Wildfell Hall uh, was published in 1848 and it is often considered basically one of the first feminist novels ever written. Interesting. Yeah. And she was under a male pseudonym when she wrote that. I believe she would have been at mm-hmm. the time, yes, under the pseudonym of Acton Bell. Yeah. That she published it under. Um, yeah, which is wild. Yeah. Like, pretty crazy that, like, wave 1848, they're considering the first feminist, or one of the first feminist novels, I should say, was mm-hmm. ever published. That's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. You know, and all these, like, all these, like, like, God, all three of those sisters, like, Anne, Emily, and Charlotte Bronte, Jesus. Talk about, like, a powerhouse of Makes you wonder, like, what was going on at home that they were all such talented writers. I don't know. And I mean, like, Anne, for instance, unfortunately, she passed away at only 29. Oh, wow. um, Most likely, they're saying most likely of pulmonary tuberculosis. Sucks. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, they all, I mean, granted, unfortunately, everybody died young, didn't they? It looks like Charlotte Bronte passed away at age 38. Oh, wow. Um, And then... 
Let me see. And yeah, Emily passed away at age 30. Everybody was oh, wow. really fucking young. I can't believe the books that these women wrote wow. before passing away at ridiculously young ages. It's wild. Wow. Crazy. Um, people are impressive. I mean, <laughs> Ladies certainly left impressive. for a long time. They've definitely <laughs> left their mark on the world, which is yeah. why they're... I forget which area of England that they're from, but there are, like, you know, like, statues erected, I believe, in the town, like, in their honor and yeah. things, which, logical. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to put one up of a man, <laughs> you yeah. can also put one up of three, of like, real, like, literary icons, For basically. Sure. Yeah, and then as time progressed, um, you know, women obviously stopped using the male pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. They started, you know, writing in earnest. Yes. Um, under their names, and we started, you know, I'm, the stories coming to mind that I read, it was, I believe this was from actually the 1700s. Sure. Please hold. <laughs> so much fact-checking. <laughs> Which we should do before we start. <laughs> anyway, she wrote a story called A Mastectomy, and I can't find it right now. She was um, a very famous author at the time, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I'm blanking and I can't find anything right now. Um, but she wrote it at the time when they didn't have anesthesia. Oh, okay. And so um, this was like such a raw, like real story written by a woman mm-hmm. about something that could only affect women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she had to have a mastectomy and she did not have any anesthetic. No. She was awake the whole time. Oh my god. And she wrote this story about the whole situation. And I remember being so like I don't know, like struck by the fact that her main concern was that she was making the male surgeons uncomfortable with her screams. Jesus. Um and I think this was like like really groundbreaking because at the time like it was it was really like an account of something that could only affect women. Yes. But then she wove in like her apologies to the male doctors. Oh my like, god. It was it was just something interesting to read like from a social standpoint mm-hmm. that it was like wow like th- she's still like you know going with those social norms that you're expecting okay. like a so, woman must be like quiet yes. and like you know so sorry apologetic. to have made you uncomfortable yeah. writhing and, and like, screaming in pain because I had no anesthesia exactly um but at the same time like you're like wow she really wrote something that could only affect women yes. and who was her audience really yeah you know? of course other than women like really there would have been like a man reading that aspect particularly at that time would have been very uncomfortable. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but I digress. Yeah. Um, we've evolved a lot. Yes, and then. I do think I think also obviously like you know we're talking about um, a lot to do with like the nineteenth century and women coming into the the sort of fold of publication a little bit more and obviously I'm sure a lot of that does have to do with like the industrial revolution and like the printing press being invented mm. because of course women had access to actually having their work printed um, in greater volume. I mean, everyone did. Men would have as well. But they actually had more access to, you know, that's it having, uh, like, printing presses and things that could get could get things done in greater volume mm. because it's not like things had to be physically written down. We're talking printing presses. Things are able to be printed on a piece of paper where the book is bound and then yeah. shipped out where it needs to go. So things, you know, really sped up mm-hmm. quite a lot. So I think it 
it probably helped a lot from a distribution standpoint mm. as well that they were able to have more access to that as time went on as well. Well, it allowed them to remain anonymous for longer if they also, wanted yes. to. Yeah. It's a very um, lady whistle down kind of situation. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm thinking about too. <laughs> it's just every time she's got to go to like every time she's got to go to like the printing people and whatever and just pretend that it's not really her who's doing it and stuff it's like a whole thing and I'm yeah like, oh yeah <laughs> that is what comes to mind it's true um but funny enough so you know if you kind of look obviously then you know through the times mm-hmm. you know many things evolved you you have a lot of female authors who became massively successful successful um you know virginia wolf agatha christie mm-hmm. like all of those novelists who became you know and still are to this day like incredibly incredibly well known Mm -hmm. for their work um but it wasn't despite all of this and despite these women who were like at the forefront Mm -hmm. of a lot of publication and a lot of what people enjoyed reading too which Mm -hmm. is something that I think like you know a lot of men were still back in like the whole like I'm gonna write something very scholarly and like Mm -hmm. very you know interesting and everything and very like you know long and drawn out women like Agatha Christie were like I'm gonna write a mystery because I think people like that shit <laughs> and she was right and she was fucking right and she, she was she created Miss Marple and she created Poirot and yeah. just you know these uh stories and these characters that people know today even without having really read any of the works you've yep. probably seen a movie you've of probably course. seen a made for tv have adaptation you heard about the murder on the orient express yeah <laughs> that's it have you heard of you know that's it and then there were none like some of her really really big ones mm-hmm. um so despite all of this um it really wasn't until basically the 1970s when you had like a there was like a huge second wave feminist movement mm. that was occurring um all over the world very largely in the united states but also like just all over the world in general yeah um that women in literature courses started to spring up in colleges and universities around because up until this point this really hadn't existed Mm. so if you think about it you know that wasn't really that long ago it wasn't like in our case our parents were alive yeah (laughs) it's true yeah in the 1970s think about that yeah pretty sure my mom was in college in the 70s yeah there you go it's a crazy thought (laughs) it it really is like i'm sitting here and i'm thinking about it and i'm like yeah like And, and I think that was, I mean, it's hard to say because college in the 70s, like, you know, we, we mentioned a moment ago that at first the women who were writing were the ones who were of the upper class, mm-hmm. you know, really, if we're being honest. Um, and then if you think about the 70s, like, I was about to say that's when it started to become a lot more accessible to a lot of women. Yeah. But then I'm like, mm, I think they it was would bef- have to be in college like yes to, to have these courses for you know? sure in a lot of cases um but at least I guess a lot of a lot of sort of ad like things like the authors who were able to come before yeah who you know were able to sort of break these barriers and be published and eventually be recognized under their own names as well mm. I think helped push this idea to the forefront so when this huge feminist wave was occurring in like the 60s and sort of early 70s mm-hmm. um that's probably why finally because we all know that education takes forever to catch up to like what's yep. current and what's going on yep by the time you know <laughs> decades and decades had gone by they were suddenly like oh hey i guess we have enough material now that we can actually make an entire class that's just focused on female authors yeah. and yeah. female-led and, like, literature <laughs> Studies. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's it. And that was when that was when a lot of those 
courses um, came into existence in the first place was mm. after around that time because people were like, hey, I would like something for once that focuses, like, I would like to take a literature course yeah. where I'm not just reading the same four male authors over and fucking over mm-hmm. again where it's not just like read some Dickens, read some Shakespeare, read some Hemingway, and read, God, I don't know, one, pick another annoying one and just, like, go from there. <laughs> pick another annoying one. Pick another one and just go from it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not just, like, the same four or five yeah. that we're reusing over and over and over, like, Milton or something. We're not just, like, Paradise Lost. Everybody's read, you know, that at yeah. some point or another. So, it's not just, like, picking the same four or five and going at the same thing over again. They were able to actually read these stories and read these stories from the perspective of the women Mm. who wrote them yeah and I think that that's like such a key component of it right is and again going back to what George Eliot had said you know to read this from the perspective of being a woman yeah enhances the story much more than just reading it yes you get a different it's a different with read a male on, pseudonym as well. Yes, of course, yeah. yeah. It's a different read on the characters. It's a yeah. different read on the themes that are being presented yeah. in the novel. If you, There is something to be said for, you know, even today, mm-hmm. let's say, like, you know, if you read a book and enjoy it, for instance, without really paying attention to the author, which, like, a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time. If yeah. I pick up a book and it looks interesting, I don't really pay attention no. to who's written it necessarily, unless it's, like, a name that I already know. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, if I really enjoy something, it can be interesting to look into the author themselves. Do they identify as male, female, or in certain cases, neither of those mm-hmm. things as well? Because that can also give you a different read yep. on the themes, on the characters in the story and things now as well, which is, you know, can be really, it can be an interesting thing to learn along with, like, you know, learning about the author mm-hmm. themselves. And then it kind of gives you your own perspective on the story that you've consumed as well. Yeah, and I find that that's something really great about, you know, our whole, I guess, media culture and our culture around literature now is looking at, you know, where did this experience come from? Where did this voice come from? Um, Yeah. You know, and it's that, exactly like you said, you know, the intersectionality, that's become a big part of the conversation now. You know, do you have women of color writing? Do you have, you know, men of color writing? Is it indigenous? Is it, you know, um, is it somebody who identifies as they? Is it a trans person? You know, and so when you have that background, and again, like something that's really great about our culture now is that we pay more attention to that. Yeah, and I know that some people get annoyed because they're like, oh, it doesn't matter and stuff. But yeah. at the same time, you know what, like I like I do understand, I get like, you know, that sometimes people feel like it's too, I guess it's almost paid attention to too much mm-hmm. um, and maybe given too much merit to an extent. But at the same time, there has been such a long history of everything else being pushed to the side and considered lesser than Mm. and unimportant that now being able to see such diversity in the literary world as far as people who are being published Mm. is a really positive change and it just makes it so that it makes it so interesting Mm -hmm. like like I think people are thinking about this from a perspective of you know 30, 40, 50 years ago, the vast majority of books you were picking up were written by a white man. Totally. So, whereas now, you have this whole, you have this, like, sort of fascinating 
thing that happens when you pick up a book is this written by a woman is this written by a trans author a Mm non-binary author an author of color um you know and how does that how has that affected their writing Mm -hmm. and the story that they're telling as well what can I learn about about a culture that I might not be familiar with yep you know and what can I take away from that that I didn't know before which is I think part of like the joys of reading is learning oh, things as well. Absolutely. Yes, to be entertained, of course, obviously. Yeah, but like you really learn to be really empathetic yeah. by reading a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, literature, poetry, whatever. If you're reading enough from the perspective of someone who is not you mm-hmm. and who has had very different experiences to how you have lived your life, mm-hmm. um, naturally you're going to develop more of an empathy and then you're going to start looking at the world through the eyes of other people. Yeah. Um, So that's one of my favorite things about reading is that effect that it has on on me anyway as a person. And there is something I, you know, I do find oftentimes when I, if I uh, pick up, no matter, probably because I do identify as female, but when I pick up a book and I read it and I love it and it's written by a female author, Mm. there's just something about it that makes me happy. Well, you, you feel kind of like a, a connection to that author yeah, and then more do. connected to the story. And then that goes back to the importance of what we were just saying is having those diverse voices. Like yeah. it's that representation, right? That matters. Yeah. Exactly. And that makes a difference in your experience as a reader yeah. as well. And I think the experience of the literary community as a whole, since so many people are, you know, are perfectly happy and willing to do the exact same thing that we're talking about which is like you know really look at authors who are outside of the scope of what would have been considered the norm 50 yep. odd years ago absolutely yeah love it we love women's history month we do yay we celebrate we love women being published everywhere we love all of the celebrations of women who are getting to you know getting to write these like beloved books that are being published you know particularly in like many genres like fantasy and romance these women who are having like these huge voices now who are able to look at all of the god we were we were looking at some stuff yesterday for future episodes just to give us you know like doing a little research like we do sometimes when we're brainstorming Mm -hmm. and I was realizing how many upcoming projects there are for women who are having their fantasy properties turned into TV series, into movies, miniseries, whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of those are written by women. I know. It's really exciting. You go to the young adult fantasy section at it's your local bookstore and it's all women who are publishing right now. And it's all women who are getting to be in the spotlight. And all you need usually I find is one or two properties that are adapted and that people that are, you know, adapted from series that people mm-hmm. really love and that get a large audience. And it just, it opens the door for so many more women to be I know. able to do that. Like, look at, I guarantee, give us, like, another couple of years, we're going to get another one or two seasons of um, Bridgerton and Regency Romance. Those authors, yeah. oh, their yeah, stuff's going to uptick yeah. the fucking, oh. like, through the roof. I mean, look what happened with vampires, right? Yes. When Twilight came out, and then it, everything was vampires everything was for vampire. ages. And again, largely written by women a lot yep. of the time. Harry Potter written by a woman. Yep, exactly. Like, don't tell me that, like you know, women written who want that women who wrote yeah. literature was aimed only at women. No, like Absolutely these are not. beloved by, okay, maybe not Twilight, but like, <laughs> I 
it kind of is. I love Twilight, and but like it kind of is. You know what? It, it kind wouldn't, of is. It wouldn't have the staying power that it has if people didn't kind of love it yeah. or love to hate it. Right. But so. like Harry Potter is like for all audiences. We do not love J.K. Rowling. How no. dare you do that? Uh, but anyway. Yeah, that's a depressing part. We're not going to talk about <laughs> We're that because this woman in literature month and that's just going to get us onto a whole other track that we don't want to go into. So. But yeah, she is still a woman who wrote Harry Potter that is beloved. That by, is beloved by so, so, so many yeah, people. by many. Exactly. You know, what do you guys, like, what do you guys love about, like, women in literature in general? Is there, like, a specific genre that you're drawn to? Like, do you like, like like a cop thriller do you like a romance do you like a fantasy fantasy, you know do you like a mystery story like you know there's so many different things that you can get into and there are a ton of women publishing in a ton of different genres which makes me very happy that they're not just limited to romance for instance no i'm a sucker for a good young adult fantasy written by a woman yeah i love a i love like a young adult mystery written by a female Mm. author i don't know what that is specifically but there's something i guess probably because most of the time i can identify with the characters Mm. yeah for sure more often than not um that is really something that i just like enjoy particularly when it's written by female author i just like it um so yeah you guys can let us know about that over on instagram at fully booked ca or you can check out our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better and if you're still here with us and i hope that you are for now and all of the rest of women in history and women in literature month uh please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening because it really helps us get the episodes out in front of more people but until next week guys keep on reading thanks everyone (laughs)